<laughs> All righty. So many good things happening. One of the things I loved hearing about the most and it made me remember uh, with a little preppies coming in. Do you remember? Do you remember once you were a prep yourself? You remember that? And you had a big backpack, you know, when you brought along and the, the backpack was bigger than you. Uh, I'm not sure if we had backpacks back then. I might have had a bag I dragged along or something, but it was a backpack. And then you get to school and all the, the you remember the water taps? They're bigger than you. Everything's big. Everything's really big. And then you go back like, you know, 15 years later and, and you realize how small everything was <laughs> because it was just small and you had to lean over those taps as well. And so it's just that little thing there of, of actually going, you know what? You know, the preps just happens really quickly, comes quick, goes quick, but it's lovely to celebrate those things as well. I hope um, you've had a really good breakaway for those of you who have been able to have a break. Um, and one of the things that we've appreciated coming back together as a team is being able to have Andrew and Chris as part of the team. And so if, you're not ha if you haven't had a chance to say hello and introduce yourself, will you please do that? Take them, you know, take them out, wine them and dine them, have coffee with them in the morning, get to know them and, and just make them feel totally welcome um, in this space. You know I don't like talking about finance and money on a Sunday morning and those things, but um, part of our, our commitment for this year ahead is to say we, as part of being a generous community, generous to God, making the whole thing work, we have a budget of $68,000. In January, we know that that normally is a little bit lower, so it was 56, so that's a 12K sort of difference. And so could I just encourage you that if you sense that this is the, the faith community that you want to be part of, part of that life of following Jesus is is being generous and actually participating in the life of that in, in one way through financially. And so could I encourage you, if you would like to know more about buying into generosity so we can be in that place where we can sustain that amount, no one has to sing for their supper. I just want to say that as well. Um, is, is that at the same time, could you, can you buy in with us so that we can all share that load together? And if you want to know more about how to do that, go to our app. It's the second thing down. Study on generosity, and it will help you come to that space of how the whole thing works out together. You know, at the start of a year, we start to think about who are we pitching a Sunday morning to? And it's helpful just to be able to pause for a moment as we begin a series that will go just over to over Easter time, and actually the theme throughout the entire year is who do we pitch to? Which is a really challenging thing. Whenever someone gets up to speak, they realize the room is so diverse. There's some people here who would love it if they could just go deep with God, right? And so if we're thinking about the Bible for a moment, they want to go line by line, word by word. They want to just dive in deep, right? And there's other people here who go, you know what? I, I live a really frenetic, paced, hard-paced life. Could you just give me the dot points, right? Could you just summarize it for me? And then you realize in the room that there's people who are young. So they're year seven and year eights. And they're, and they're sort of intuitively saying, well, you know, I'd like you to be able to speak to me at my year seven and year eight level. And then there's other people who are longer in the tooth and they're saying, well, look, you speak to my situation in the, the latter part of, of my life, you know? And, and then on any given Sunday, there's some people there who would go, Troy, I would love it if, if we could be more like, more motivational, in our speaking. That's what I'd really like. I want to come out of this room. I want to be high-fiving. I want to be jumping around. I want to be singing. I want to be so lifted. And well, there's other people in the room who go, what I'd really like is to have a deep, reflective, thoughtful moment together. 
And, and what I'd like to do is ruminate on stuff. Will you be creative? Will you be poetic? Will you be all of those things? And, and we all universally agree that all of these things must be hit on a given Sunday morning within 20 to 25 minutes, <laughs> of which I've already taken up about two and a half. <laughs> and so while we sort of think about these things, about who do we pitch a Sunday morning to, we would love it. Every week, we want to be committed to opening up the Bible and being instructing from it. But it might be a place where you hear of a location of something and, and some knowledge, some information that will help you to return to that place later in the week where you might be able to open up those pages and meet with God yourself. And for those of you who actually want to go deeper in that, there's questions set up every Monday on our app that you can go to, that you can use in your life groups, or you can use personally where there's other resources where you can go deeper. And we hope that as we do that, we might be able to, if you like these three things here that we want to do, we want you to go away with some knowledge. We want you to go away with thinking about how can I apply this to my life and lastly, mostly, when we're together, we'd love it if that we might encounter these things personally, deeply for ourselves as well as we meet with God. All of those things in 21 minutes. <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, I met with a group of people and we were all riding along uh, Dandenong Creek um, because actually, just when you go there, if you have a Bible with you or if you have an app, would you look up John chapter 1? This is where we're going to be looking at. I take it that John is James's brother. So the two brothers, sets of brothers in the Bible. There's a James and a John and I take it to be him. And where we're going to focus our attention with this open-handedness to God for the, 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 the year, but also particularly over, over this next term, is going to be in the good news that John writes about a person he wants to introduce you to. And today we're going to be looking at John Chapter 1, 1 to 18. So a few weeks ago, I was met some people down on Dandelong Trail. We had our bikes, and we were going out for dinner in Croydon. We were going to an Italian restaurant, and we met down there, and I formed part of the pack, and we rode to this place. It was in the evening time. It was still light, but I realized that I would probably have to come back um, a little bit earlier before it was dark. I didn't have lights, but I had not... I've ridden this path before. And so there's a whole lot of networks and, and rabbit warrens that you can go weaving your way from Heathmont all the way through to Croydon. And so as I was riding along with the others, I took note of every turn, of every sign, so that I would be able to navigate my way back, perhaps when it was just on dusk. Well, we went to the restaurant, and yes, I did um, uh, leave earlier. And as I was riding back, a curious thing happened. I didn't realize that when you're looking in one direction at something and you look at it from the other direction, they don't match up. You know that? And so as I took a detour and went off, off the path and then stopped and thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm heading in the wrong direction. Uh, the way in which I found my bearings, though, is that I would look back and I would see it and that would correspond with the memory I had. And, and then that would enable me to go forward. I'd get back on track again. Made it home. Here I am today. <laughs> but the curious thing as I reflected upon that was that sometimes in our lives we need to look back in order to navigate a way forward. So many of us here, if you've had a break, you're, you're heading back into the work year, right? Or the school year. And with it comes, as Yvonne has said, a whole lot of stresses and challenges and difficulties. Some of you are heading into year 11 and 12. 
some of you are experiencing the, the increase in inflation, and so everything's costing more now. Some of you, uh, if you had a mortgage, you've been realizing the 13 interest rates, right? And, and so you're a bit more pressed against the wall. And, and these things inevitably and invariably create tensions and stresses in our lives. If you're a young toddler and you're going to school, the world's opening up again, but it seems to be an unsafe place too. And so invariably, I would imagine that if you're heading back into the work, heading back into the school, that there's a sense of responsibility that just gathers with you, right? And so as you do that, you think, why do they go away for so long? Because it's really hard to get back into the swing of things. And you feel it. Yeah. And one of the ways in which you navigate that sort of uncertain space is that you look back and you say, wait a second, last year I did that same thing, so I can do it again. But the curious thing about John, as he's writing about a person he wants to introduce you to, is that he wants you to look back in order for you to navigate a way forward with faith amidst all of the stresses and the challenges and the worries that you are facing. And that's precisely what he's doing. You see, he's met the end of his life and most of the other disciples, followers have died. Peter's been martyred. Paul's been martyred. And now in the latter ages and stages of his life, he takes pen to the papyri and he begins to write. And he wants to impress upon the people who are going to read what he says. Uh, And he wouldn't have even had any idea that for centuries later, people would read these words. But invariably what he's wanting to do as he opens the words to his account of someone he wants to talk and introduce you to is he wants you to look back in order to navigate a way forward in faith. And so he opens up his story like this. 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you hit the pause button for a moment, and you go, John, you're talking, and you start off your story with a riddle? What on earth are you talking about? In the beginning was, with, was, and word. What the? But if you're a little Jewish boy or girl and you heard a story, a narrative that started like that, automatically you would be jettisoned back to another story, a bigger story that you had heard told. It would take you all the way back to the very beginning of their Bible, the Torah, in the Genesis account, where the account starts with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And and, and the penny would drop for you and you would lean in a little bit as you're just absorbing the slap that's been in the face because you're talking about someone that was in the beginning and was and with and was God. And you realize he's using words that push beyond what words can do and say as he wants to introduce you to someone. And he wants you to think about it as though you're inserting him, this person he's talking about, back into the very creation story itself. If you're a builder here today, it'd be like not just the scaffolding up around, but the superstructure 
And what John wants you to do, and I don't want to bypass or actually take us off track too much this morning, but he's going to have a series of miracles. He's going to say, number one, number two, and then he wants you to keep counting according to the seven days of creation that's going to head all the way up to Easter Sunday morning when the seventh great miracle happens and a new creation starts. But I get ahead of myself. (laughs) But he says, just for now, I want you to understand that the, the person I'm talking to, just like God spoke... And when he spoke, he brought things into being. That's how I want you to think about this person I want to introduce you to. And so he says this, number three, verse three, through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. (laughs) And so he's thinking about the creation account and he's saying the person I want to introduce you to was, was there in the very beginning. And just like God spoke, and I'm likening this person to him speaking and things happening, I want to tell you about him. So if you're a scientist here this morning or you love the sciences, uh, the, the creation account according to science would go something like this, some forms of. It would be in the beginning there was raw energy and equations to govern what that energy did. But according to this story, it would be saying, and it's not in opposition to it, it would be saying, I just want you to know that there's a step behind that. It says, in the beginning, there was God, and he's the, the one who had the equations in the first place and the raw energy, and actually he directed all of those things as well. Some mysterious way he was there. And so when all of those different particles were being formed by those supernovas and those stars, and as they were spitting out protons, neutrons, electrons, and subatomic particles like quarks and quasars and quolls. I just threw that in for the scientists who are just checking. He was there. And then he goes on and he says this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The one who brought life into the world was there there at the beginning. I want to talk to you about him. And, and it's a person. It's not just an energy force. And I want you to know this, that in him, you find that not only was he there at the beginning and he gives life, but he's the one who has eternal life, and he's the one that speaks into your life because he spoke into my life. And he, John then presses it a little further in verse 5 and he says this, And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He would almost lean in and whisper and say, I want you to understand that because I've seen a lot of dark things, he would say. I've seen a lot of people who have lost their lives from following Jesus. I've seen a lot of hardship and tragedy and and, and it's hard out there in the world, but I want you to understand this, is that the light that I want to talk to you about, the darkness did not and has not and will not extinguish it. Have you ever been in a, in a cave or a dark room or maybe just your bedroom <laughs> and it's been dark? I remember as a young kid growing up and I was afraid of the dark, right? Because you just don't know. And so then invariably you might have a bed lamp, and you would turn that thing on or you'd light that match or you put your phone on and it comes alive. And the things that you are afraid about, you're no longer afraid because you can see what's there and not. You see, darkness is the absence of light, but he wants to say this person I've come to know, he's the light that shines and he's shone in my life 
And I need you to understand this. No matter what you're facing and no matter what's going on in your life, there is someone who's the light of life and darkness cannot and has not and will not extinguish it. And so as you look back in order to look forward and navigate forward, I need you to understand this. Bearing number one is the light of life. And if you pressed John and you said, prove it. He would say, well, James and I, my brother, we used to be called the sons of thunder. And you don't get that name by being sweet. (laughs) But then when you read on from what John's going to say, he's going to talk about loving. And he's going to talk about being kind. And standing up for the things that you know to be true and gentle. He'd say... When I met this man, he shone his light into my, the dark places of my life. And I'm a better human being because of it. Because he's changing and has changed me. Last year we had a, a man by the name of Fergal. I was going to say Fergal Sharkey. <laughs> Fergal Armstrong, sorry. Um, <laughs> musician. Um, and, and he came and he talked about Addiction. And how he loves seeing people get free from that. Well, we've been talking for the last six months. He called me in January and he said, Troy, my diary's open. He heads up Turning Point in Box Hill. So a good specialist. And he said, my diary is getting first dibs for you. You name the night. I will be there helping people who are of faith or open to faith, who have an addiction to find support and some freedoms. I'm there. So if you're here and there's something rattling around in you right now and you go, I, I, I want to be supportive in that, then you come and say hello to me very quickly as we plan what that might look like to bring light into other people's lives. He's the light of life. And then John goes on and he says this, and he presses it even deeper. He says, by the way, he was in the world, and and he sets up a tragedy and a triumph. This is the tragedy. He was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, and the world did not recognize him. He said, I saw what happened when he walked the earth. There were some people, and crowds would just gravitate to him, and there's some people who would walk up, I guess because he shone his light into their lives, and they scattered and they ran away because they were afraid. But the tragedy was is that people didn't recognize him, and so what I want to do is I want to spend this, this book that I'm writing to you so you might understand and recognize the person I'm talking about. And he goes on and he says this, the, the triumph. But, but to, to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. <laughs> Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God, born uh, not of natural descent nor of human decision or a, a husband's will, but born of God. Let me just back up for a moment because as he uses these words, they're jam-packed. So, so belief is this settled conviction that God is actually at work through this person. It doesn't mean that you don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that you don't wrestle with things. It doesn't mean that you don't, in light of the things that happen to you in life, actually butt those things up together and, 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 and shake it out. But 
at the end of all of that shaking, there comes a settled conviction that no, who he is who he says he is. And I want to trust him. This word received, it's kind of like this idea of opening your doorway and welcoming people into your home or opening up your, your hands and your heart and saying, God, here I am. I, I want to follow you. It's like you've been driving in the wheel of the car all of your life and for good or for worse, there you are. And there comes a time where you go, you know what? I want someone else to take the reins because I'm not so good at this. <laughs> And so you hear the gentle whisper or maybe the, the voice of God and you go, you know what, Jesus, here's the keys of my life. You do the driving. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat. That's the receive. He says you become a child of God. That is that out of you're not just random space dust, that, that there's a God who knows you and welcomes you and you're part of a bigger plan and a purpose. Therefore, you are just not floating around like space dust in the world when you say yes to Jesus, it's as though you never left and God runs to you and he welcomes you home and he dusts you off and he washes you clean and he forgives you and he pours his life into you. And what John wants you to understand is he can say all these things because he's come to discover that the person he wants to introduce to you holds all authority. And when he says all authority, he means it. So when he says that this person has the right for you to become part of God's family, a child of God, he means it. Not only because he is, the person is right, but because he has authority to make those decisions about you. And so when you trust him, it's as though you're trusting God. I wonder if there's an area of your life as you face... The, the weeks ahead where you go, I'm being called on to trust God and wonder if he really does have authority. I was talking to a university student this week and that, that student was talking about needing to organize some subjects and to get a job to make some money to pay the bills. And I said, how about we just bring God into this? Could we just pray? And so we did. And I said, you know, I just want to be in the habit of this, this year ahead in bringing God into things. And, and I said, okay, now that we've prayed, go out there and push doors and make calls. Because <laughs> that's how it works with God. You don't just sort of pray and then you sit there and twiddle your thumbs and it's served up to you on a platter. It's a partnership. So get out there, knock on doors, make some calls. A few weeks later, she's come back. And I said, what happened? Well, uh, I've got clarity on my subjects. And I think I've got a job. And I said, great. How about we thank God? <laughs> and what John wants you to impress upon you as you, you look back to navigate your way forward this year is to understand that when it comes to faith, there's someone he wants to point you to who is the light of life and he holds all authority. And he wants you to anchor yourself again afresh this year in those things. And then he presses on finally. And it's as though he's getting to the crescendo. This is the moment where the curtain starts to raise. Number 14. And then he says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And he was full of grace and truth. And so automatically you realize that that John isn't talking about some whispers that have been passed on from one to the other or a third or fourth or a fifth-hand account. You realize that he's talking about a first-hand account 
with someone that he has walked with, that he has laughed with, that he has cried with, that he has ministered with, because he's seen it himself, he's seen him himself. And he says, you know, the time I spent with him, the way in which he interacted with people, he was full of grace. He was kind, beyond kind. And he was gentle, beyond gentle. And, and, and he, he was glorious, beyond glorious. And he was truer than true and righter than right. I want to tell you about him. And then he just puts his pen and he says, I tell you this, for the law was given through Moses. That is, think about the Torah and all of the, the Old Testament or even just the Ten Commands. The good commands about how people were to live that Moses got on the mountain. But I tell you this, when we tried to live them, we realized that we couldn't. Because when it said, don't covet, it realized straight away that I covet so many things. And when it says, don't tell lies, it said, I realize I, I tell little white lies to get out of situations in my life. And we just can't do it. And he says, I want to tell you this about this man. He said, he embodied it. The laws of God and the ways of God with grace and truth. And this is the Tana moment. Tana! And his name is Jesus Christ. And Christ is not a surname like Troy Arnott. It's like an honorific title that says, Jesus, Son of Man. Jesus, Messiah. Jesus, Son of God. Jesus, Prophet. Jesus, Man of Nazareth. His name is Jesus and he's amazing. And I, I want you to understand more than anything. I'm oh, sorry, I couldn't come up with a better word. <laughs> so I just reached for when John's trying to capture all the words to talk about, he uses this word glory. But I just come up with simple amazing. And he's, it's as though he whispers to you and says, as, as you look forward for this year, I want you to look back and I want you to understand about this person, the Tana moment where the curtain's raised. He says, I want you to understand something about Jesus because Jesus, if he is, he, he is, he is the one who came and dwelt among us. And he presses on and he says, no one's ever seen God, but God, the only Son, who is Himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, He has made Him known. Is if you understand something about God, I want you to understand something about Jesus. Because when you look at Him in embodied flesh, you see the Father inhabiting human form. So what I want you to do is I want you to, John would whisper to you, follow with me. As I talk to you about this man, Jesus, who's changed my life and would change yours and would help you through some of the most difficult situations that you might know. And when those situations come and you are shaken and you are pushed and you are shoved in different ways, Instead of just pressing forward in your own strength, I want you to pause for a moment when you're on the train. I want you to pause for a moment before the business meeting. I want you to pause before you step into the classroom. I want you to pause before there's another room to clean in the house. I want you to look back and remember about the man that you've come to discover and have faith in. He is the light of life. He has all authority 
And he's totally amazing. And I want you to discover him afresh today. Come on up, mate. So I don't know what the bike ride's going to look like for you this year, this week, this month. But I wonder if John might whisper in your ear at the beginning of the year and say, remember who it is that you might have opened up your hands to and your heart to. Or perhaps if you're still like this with God, I want to tell you about the man that you can open up your hands to and put your trust in because I did it myself and I want to pass it on to you. He is the light of life. He has all authority. And I've come to discover in him that he's totally amazing. So that's why we're doing the theme that we are this year. Because I think John would bid you come and say, look at the Jesus I want to talk to you about. Because he lived with his hand open to God and open to others. As though what he got from God, he just gave away freely. And that's what we want everyone who's watching online or who's in this room, young or old, to do this year. To make a daring commitment to open your hand to God and your hand to others and say, here I am. I want to mimic that man. And so he finishes with this back one. Out of fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. That is, we have all received God's goodness and kindness and gentleness. But grace also means this. God's supernatural ability to accomplish in our lives what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. God's supernatural ability to accomplish in our lives what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. And so I wonder at the beginning of this year... If you go, I need some of that grace so that I might give it away and I might have it for myself. So right here in this moment, if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to open your hands before God and do this and say, Jesus, I would like your grace to help me in the day ahead, the week ahead, the month ahead. Would you carry my load for me right now just where you are if you'd like to encounter God I'm going to pray why don't you pause and if you would like to just open your hands where you are I'm going to pray for you Father God here in this place this morning I ask and pray for everyone who's opened their hand that you might pour through your grace into their lives to help them accomplish the things they cannot do for themselves, to give them the strength, to give them the wisdom, to give them the, the kindness and the grit and the empowering for what is ahead. We commit it to you. We ask Jesus that you might pour out your grace upon grace. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.